The Unshackled Waves, episode 45. Hello and welcome to the Unshackled Waves podcast. I'm Tim Wilms, here for the latest interview show. Our guest for today is Adoué Deboer, who is an editor of the just-launched website Right Minds New Zealand. Uh, Right Minds are attempting to create a New Zealand alternative media outlet, similar to what uh, we are doing with the Unshackled here in Australia, along with our friends. Uh, Duwe is also deputy leader of New Zealand's newest political party, uh, Make New Zealand Great Again. We thought we'd invite Duwe on the podcast to talk about both Right Minds and Make New Zealand Great Again, and also learn a bit more about the politics of New Zealand, especially since that country is holding its general election in September later this year. So Duwe, welcome to the show. Uh, hello, uh, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me on. So I'll start by asking you about how Right Minds became about being created. So you started off as a Facebook group, which I was added to, uh, where you began to plan the creation of the website. Now, you all come from different parts of New Zealand, so how did you all meet? So we all uh, got in touch, really, during the uh, United States presidential election last year, and um, a few acquaintances of mine started up a pro-Trump Facebook group. Um, and at the time, the movement behind Trump was was calling itself the alt-right, and that was kind of a, a label that, that people – a banner that people uh, came to at the time. And it was really connected with uh, conservatives and libertarians that were rejecting the, the alt-right uh, establishment politics uh, and, and were behind Donald Trump. Um, and a number of us really became aware of how bad media bias was during this time. <clears throat> the <clears throat> the New Zealand media was often um, pushing fake news stories, and uh, you could you could um, uh, they take stories from the United States, they take anti-Trump stories, they put an even more negative spin on it. Um, sometimes publish outright fake news, um, and you can see it in their Facebook comments feeds on all of their stories now. Everyone's calling them fake news, no matter what they write. Um, Literally everyone is on there calling them fake news. Um, they'll, you know, one of the one of the top voted comments will always be something regarding with with how they're fake news. Um, and then um, after Trump won, and um, there was the the Richard Spencer uh, incident in the in the alt right, uh, you had large numbers of of white nationalists and racists and anti semites who were using the label alt right, uh, and so many normal people uh, sort of stopped using it. So about a dozen of us. Decided to, to start uh, an, our own group with a with a different name that would focus on alternative media uh, and be a discussion space uh, for a broad uh, a broad church right wing movement, and that's uh, how Right Minds was born. It sounds like you sort of ca- uh, came to the same conclusion as we did when we decided to start the Unshackled. Then we we'd all we'd all met online. We'd you know talk about how uh, how the left were. You know, taking over, t- taking over the world, and uh, there was so much media bias, and we sort of thought, rather than uh, just you know s- sit on Facebook and complain, let's try and make a difference. <clears throat> yeah, that's 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 exactly what we did as well. Uh, we had someone who bet um, a lot of money on Trump winning, 
and when Trump won, he had a had a bit of spare cash, and he said, "Look, I want to I want to put this to good use, and I want to get behind and and you know invest a little bit of it into um, starting up something that we can compete with with the media with and get the truth out there." And so um, our mission at at Right Minds is is really um, to focus on on freedom of speech and you know doing objective um, research and and getting the truth out there, and and that's you know we're really open to anything. Like we we will publish articles from from any point of view really um but yeah that's our main uh, for, uh sort of our authorship mainly comes from either the sort of the traditional uh conservative position or some of the more libertarian positions really um and that's but yeah we're we're branching out and we've got different kinds of people coming in all the time so that's always uh, good fun uh, I've noticed that you've uh, published a, a f in response to the Syrian airstrikes, you've pu published uh, an article, or you yourself published an article defending Trump's actions, and Right Minds also published an article uh, opposed to his actions. So yes, you, you, de you definitely are um, providing diversity of opinion. Yeah, yeah, and that really was one of our, our goals, and this is one of the first times we've we've done it specifically, written two different articles on a, on a subject. Um, and from the beginning, that's what we wanted people to be able to do—to be able to say, um, you know, I've got I've got this opinion here, and someone else could could have, you know, a dissenting opinion, and that we'd be happy to publish both of them, and that people could interact with each other in a in a civil manner, which is really what's happened. So that's 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 good, and it's been very constructive. Now you've talked a bit about the media bias in New Zealand. I think it's the same pretty much everywhere. But can you give us a picture of what the media landscape is like in New Zealand? Is it still mainly controlled by the big corporations, or has a degree of independent journalism emerged in the internet age? Um, a, a, a small degree is emerging in the internet age, but really. There are sort of three large companies, uh, Fairfax, MediaWorks, and APN, uh, and I think at least two of those are Australian companies that, that, that control the vast majority of the news. Um, and the ones that are in New Zealand based are actually trying to merge together into one giant blob. Um, and um, most of the articles that you see that they publish every single day are bought and copy-pasted from you know the Washington Post and... Uh, other American sources. Um, so interestingly, they don't do that much uh, original journalism unless it's perhaps focused on New Zealand. Um, and, and there was a study done that just I just saw it the other day about you know it said uh, New Zealand journalism leans left, um, and that's probably a dramatic understatement of what's really going on. Um, there are some independent blogs, uh, so blogging is, is is fairly big both on on the left and the right. Uh, on the right, we sort of have um, Kiwi Blog, which I believe is New Zealand's largest blog, um, and it's sort of a uh, sort of establishment right-wing sort of blog. And then you've got Whale Oil, which is more of the um, um, a bit more of the not sure if you call it call it fringe, but but a bit more on the um, adventurous side of the right wing, perhaps is probably what you could call it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's this, the state of the media here is as sad as it is everywhere, I think, and so that's where we're trying to make a difference. Uh, we know all in Australia about the the, uh, the horrors of Fairfax. Uh, the fact that you get it in New Zealand as one of only three media companies, it uh, must be really <laughs> yep. bad. I mean, so you don't even have yep. uh, anything by News Corp, which it has its <clears throat> has its own problems, but at least it provides yep. a different point of view. 
perhaps one i'm i'm trying to i've i've looked at the list often um about a half of of all print media is fairfax um or more than half perhaps so um there are a couple of other smaller companies that 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 um i never really hear much from it really is dominated by these two or three or four very large corporations yeah that definitely sounds a lot worse than australia now, what types of issues do you aim to cover on Right Minds? I mean, what are some of the problems that New Zealand has that you would like to highlight and have a greater consideration in the public debate? So the issues that we'd like to, to cover and to highlight really are absolutely everything. Um, what, what we have a, a huge lack of at the moment in, in New Zealand is probably more... Um, um, coverage and, and opinion pieces of a more right-wing nature. Um, in, a, in the very occasional case, they get some published in the mainstream and, um, and, and you know, people will, will share them around, but that's once in a blue moon. Um, so that's the, the sort of the perspective that we'd like to, to, to bring in. Um, and, and as for, for, for the issues, we really are focusing a lot on, on political stuff, stuff that's, that's um, very current events, um, covering um, a lot of social issues. Um, we, we have a pe- people who are very interested in, in what's happening with uh, you know, the, the march of social justice and the um, attacks on free speech, um, uh, as, as you see with you know, transgender bathrooms and, um, and all, all of those issues. Um, and we also have other people um, very, very focused on globalism, and um, they they will write about those issues, um, especially when it comes to 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 the context of Trump, really, and also specifically with with New Zealand. A lot of our our political parties um, are are following the same the same kind of um, ideology or, or or the same kind of globalism that you will be seeing in Australia and, and in the United States and Europe and, and all over the world. Um, so that's, that's sort of our main focus at the moment. But we're looking to spread out, out really into, into providing um, coverage and opinions on, on absolutely anything we can get our hands on. So you don't even have prominent conservative commentators? Like there's no sort of Andrew Bold or Miranda Devine in New Zealand? Um, so apparently there is a... Um, one, perhaps one sort of more conservative commentator on Sky News. I might have heard from from someone. I don't I don't watch it myself. And, and again, it's a paid it's a paid news channel, so that that's quite hard for for people to get. And um, a lot of people like me don't watch the news at all. We have at least one person on the radio. Um, some might say probably two or three um, that are a bit more conservative. Um, and when it comes to columnists and people writing, other than the bloggers, uh, basically nobody. Oh, that's pretty pretty hard to imagine. <laughs> I mean, because um, you've got nobody major to sort of call out when you know some, something crazy is going on or exposing something that's going on in the in the government that most citizens weren't even aware of. No, basically not at all. And and like other than than maybe talk radio, um, a, a couple of, of talk radio stations. That's that's basically it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we'll move on to New Zealand politics now. Um, 
So mm. in Australia, we, we definitely believe that we have it worse when it comes to the left having control of government and institutions. So we have organisations like the Australian Human Rights Commission, which crack down on free speech. We have the, the Safe Schools Program, indoctrinating children into radical sexual and gender theory. Government funders leftist propaganda outlet in the ABC, uh, distorting public opinion, our economy being crippled by adherence to the climate change religion and push for renewable energy. Our border security could be teared down at any moment with a change of government with hundreds of legal boats flooding the nation. So how can New Zealand be as bad or if or worse than us? Uh, what, what's the case for New Zealand? Uh, yeah, so um, things... When you, when, you, when you put it like that, things are not quite that bad here yet, perhaps, but um, a lot of what you mentioned there could really happen in New Zealand at any moment. Um, New Zealand is a very small country, um, and the variety that we have in politics, um, at least in our larger parties, is actually quite small too. Um, they usually promise different things when they're running, um, but when, when they're actually in power, we actually see a very similar trend, um, a very steady trend in New Zealand, which is is a difference to Australia. I think Australia can be very volatile politically, but the interesting thing in, is in New Zealand is a very steady trend. Um, but because of that, it's a, it's a steady downward trend, if you will. Um, and our economy also, while it might look like it's in better shape, is also uh, smaller than any state in Australia. Um, while we might have uh, some more freedoms uh, in, in many regards, you know, for instance, our laws are a whole lot more sane than yours. Uh, a whole lot more free than yours anyway, um, who, who might argue uh, sanity of gun laws depends on what side of the aisle you're on, I suppose. Um, and while our economy overall is a bit stable, um, you know, our right-wing government that we've had for the past decade has given us uh, some very large tax increases and also a huge national debt. Um, and while we've, you know, they finally balanced the budget last year, um, the opposition could win the election this year and they could blow that all away again. Um, so it might seem like a, it's in a good state now, but there's no guarantee it's going to be uh, in that kind of a state next year. Um, I think our state schools and, and our media propaganda are probably um, at least as bad as yours. Um, and again, because it's a small country, there's perhaps less stuff that comes out, but we have the same kind of um, uh, radicalized sexual and gender theory uh, happening, and we also have government-funded you know, propaganda uh, media as well. Um, what they call Radio New Zealand, or is, is fondly referred to as Red Radio, um, because that's that's basically what it is. And there's a few other other ones like that too in the media. Um, but yeah, we do still have free speech for now. So our Human Rights uh, Commission tries to jump on things, um, but there is a constant backlash against any proposed hate speech. So they back off every time, but they keep trying over and over again. And I think they will eventually get there at this rate. Um, but we are still we are still lucky to have free speech and in in this country anyway. Um, and when it comes to climate change, we do have the um, uh, what we call the emissions trading scheme or scam, as some of us refer to it as. And um, basically, um, that's sort of uh, the way our government is 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 um, it's, it's essentially a tax on on petrol and and farming. And, and I'm not quite sure what happens to it. I think they trade it overseas or something. Uh, they're part of the carbon credit scheme. Um, but basically, it's a tax, and and the money goes to you know doesn't go to New Zealand; it goes somewhere else. Uh, and I'm absolutely not sure where it goes, and I don't think very many people uh, know where it goes, which is probably part of the idea. 
Yeah, it's interesting that you also have a, a human rights commission as well, but it sounds like free speech is... You've still got free speech, even though there may be a tax on it, at least you've still got it, unlike in Australia. And in Australia, yeah. we've yeah. got even yeah. worse laws at the, the state level, which they'll haul you before anti-discrimination tribunals <coughs> and uh, try and wreck your life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, we don't have that yet. Um, they tried, they had a couple of incidents recently, and they had the police uh, commissioner calling for hate speech laws, and they had the human rights commissioner calling for hate speech laws as well. Um, but a lot of people came out and denounced them. Even the previous human rights commissioner came out and said, you know, this is, you know, we don't, we don't need, we should not have hate speech laws in New Zealand. We should defend free speech. So that was quite a positive thing to see in the last, um, in the last few weeks. But if if they hadn't done that, um, then you know the police commissioner and the human rights commissioner would have carried on, and that's part of, of I believe their plan of you know testing the waters every now and then until they no longer get the, you know until the backlash isn't big enough anymore. So it's not so much that uh, policy is as bad in New Zealand as it is in Australia. It's just that there's heaps of threats going on in New Zealand currently, which you have to fight. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we're in a in a better position there that we're still fighting these things, perhaps. But um, you know, things no no one else throughout the world really has won. Um, you know, the almost almost every Western nation has got all of uh, you know some kind of hate speech laws and so on. So we in New Zealand, we think it's 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 you know it's going to happen sooner rather than later, perhaps. But we will continue to fight, and I think. Um, we do have quite an, an active, um, an active community, and even across the political aisle, people on both the left and the right who who are fighting for free speech, and that's quite perhaps one major thing that's different to many other places around the world, where you have the left as a sort of almost united block trying to shut down free speech. Uh, we free market uh, advocates in in Australia, we always look with on New Zealand's economy uh, with a degree of envy. Uh, as, you, as you mentioned before, you've got a budget surplus. The welfare state is is quite restrained, but obviously you have a different point of view. But also, um, I gather from your answer that if, because you've had a, oh, uh, we would call it a conservative government for the past nine years, but if Labor, Labor opposition won this year's election, could it all go down the drain again? Um, so... I'll I'll answer the the second question there last um, because um, it could go either way really. Um, so as you as you said, we do have this this, this budget surplus, and I've, as I've said, it is quite fragile and quite recent. Um, they've been promising it for nine years, and they finally delivered on it the year before the third election. Yeah, that's better <laughs> so than Australia. We'll see if the if exactly perhaps maybe it is yeah. So we'll see if 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 what happens because of it. Um, and the the response from the opposition has been interesting, which which I'll come back to later. Um, but but when it comes to our our welfare state, um, I'm not quite sure what things are like in in Australia. What's what's different for us is that we do have um, essentially unemployment benefit, and we do have a, a retirement benefit. And the the means testing on it is fairly um, minimal um, on the retire so on on the uh, superannuation benefit. Essentially, there's no means testing; it's completely universal. And when it comes to unemployment, it's fairly easy uh, to get on it. Perhaps easier than Australia, but um, it might be it might be less. There might be less money overall that that people get. I'm not so sure. The the big problem is is what we 
like to call intergenerational welfare slavery, which is where there are smaller communities, certain communities, especially the Maori uh, community, which have a, a huge problem with intergenerational welfare. And that's, um, that's sort of where, where the big problem is. So it's quite isolated in the sense of that the same people for generations are, are stuck in this welfare uh, system and most other people manage to, uh, to escape it. And we're again, we're a small country. I'll probably keep saying that every single time. So our percentage of people, or you know, our percentage of people who are on welfare might be similar, but overall it's a smaller number of people. And I think that um, um, comes off better overall, really. Um, less, you know, less people numerically employed, um, um, even if the percentage is the same, uh, comes across as being as being better. Um, and when it comes to a different kind of welfare, we also have a huge um, treaty industry, as we call it, which um, um, is essentially large sums of money and land are siphoned off to pale-faced tribal elites as bribes. Um, and they call it sort of, you know, reparations and, um, you know, covering grievances uh, in the past. Um, but again, this money goes to a bunch of, of – um, uh, of the tribal leaders, really, and the people at the bottom, they don't get to see any of it. Um, and so um, we have essentially a, some, essentially we have a, a larger problem with corporate welfare than we do have with any other kind of welfare. Um, uh, yeah, so and, – and, and just to, to bring back to our economy again, um, we don't really um, have much industry or mining, and, and partially that's because the Greens do wield a, a bit more influence um, – in our in our political system, and so um, we don't do much uh, mining of resources, and so dairy makes up about uh, 25% of our economy, and that could be quite risky too. As we um, a lot of our surplus, for instance, a lot of our economic well-being is simply because dairy prices, um, you know, the price of of milk powder is a lot higher, has gone up really the last few years, uh, and that could be quite volatile if the if the Chinese were to stop playing uh, games. Um, and um, or some say they have been playing a game to bait us in and they could, you know, the Chinese could cut us off, cut off our milk powder and our economy would possibly fall apart. Like that's that's what that's what could actually happen. Um, so and of course, the Greens are also opposed to dairy. Um, you, you never know what the Greens aren't opposed to. Oh. Um, but but one positive note to, to finish on a positive note is that um, both in, in the last month, both the Labour and the Green Party have promised not to raise taxes and to not spend into a huge deficit. Um, but that could just be an election promise. We're not sure. But that's quite a change in tune for them to say that they won't um, raise taxes and, and spend all the money. So we'll, we'll see what actually happens uh, if they do get into power. But that is a, a, cha a big change in tune and possibly a, a, a more positive thing. So from, from what I gather from your answer, there is a lot more corporate welfare or crony capitalism in New Zealand rather than money being spent on welfare per se. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's likely. Um, looking at our, our, our largest – like our welfare spending, most of our welfare spending goes out as superannuation and as um, sort of what they call family tax credits. So most of our welfare – like maybe 60 or 70% of our welfare even doesn't necessarily go to poor people. So, well, you know, not, not people who are unemployed or living in extreme poverty, but just people who are perhaps in, 
in in harder circumstances, but not really um, um, in living in extreme poverty, if you would call that. So. Now, New Zealand's parliament is elected by proportional representation, so you have a multi-party system. Uh, can you give a brief overview for our Australian audience about uh, the parties currently in the parliament and what direction each of them would like to take New Zealand? Yeah, yes, I can do that. We have a, um, a large number of, of parties, but about seven, I think, seven in parliament at the moment. Um, so our government is made up of the National Party, which is is somewhat equivalent, I suppose, to your National slash Liberal Party. Yeah, Liberal parties. National Coalition. You've got two of them, I believe. Yeah, or the Liberal yeah, Party so you have a co you is, have, yes. is the biggest one. Yeah, so I believe you call it like the Coalition or something, yes. which in our case is essentially just the National Party. Yeah. yeah. So we have the National Party. They're the government at the moment. They don't have enough seats to govern by themselves, so they're supported by three parties, uh, the Maori Party, the ACT Party and United Future. Um, these, um, I believe the Maori Party, I believe, has two seats or three seats. I think two. I'll stick with two. ACT has one. United Future has one. So these are very, very small parties. Um, the Maori Party is, as you can imagine, a racial, racially based party that um, its sole purpose is to improve the lot of uh, uh, Maori, the Maori people. Um, and this is, is actually just in the news in New Zealand at the moment. In the last week or two, they've actually reformed our Resource Management Act to be hugely beneficial to Maori and, and uh, actually have eroded property rights. And they've actually cut out the other two coalition partners um, and done a deal with the National Party where they have gotten their, um, you know, their special race-based privileges into, the, into law, whereas... Um, there were even one of the opposition parties said they would work with the government to change the law, you know, and remove all race-based uh, references. Uh, and our government actually declined that and worked with the National Party. So there's a lot of um, upset National Party people at the moment because of that. Um, but yeah, that's interestingly that's that's part of our government, and that's really two directions. You know, that, that's the direction they're they're taking us in. Um, the National Party is supposed to be our more right-wing uh, government, and they, as we've discussed before, they've slowly moved to a surplus, and, and um, they're talking about tax cuts now, even though they have raised taxes again and again for the last nine years. Um, and they're supposed to be our sort of fiscal responsible party, um, but really we haven't um, haven't seen enough of it. Uh, you know, they've they've done it a little bit, um, but not 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 to make people satisfied. I think. Um, then we have the ACT Party, which is sort of our um, more libertarian party, if you will. Uh, they just hold one seat and they support the government. And then we also have a party called United Future, um, which again is a one man, essentially a one man party. He wins. He holds a single electoral seat. Um, so essentially, one. Um, I'm not sure what you call call them in Australia. Are they called electorates in Australia. Oh yeah, we we call our in the lower house as a representative, they're called electorates. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So essentially, he's a one-man party and hold he holds an electorate, and I believe he has actually been part of every single government for the past thirty or forty years. And I'm not sure what direction he wants to take New Zealand in, other than just being part of the government. Um, um, he's sort of considered to be a bit left-leaning. Um, but yeah, there's no real nobody knows anything about them, um, and neither do I. So that's <laughs> that's that's yeah, 
that's that's the way that 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 works. Um, but but again, like in Australia, you know, one one person could be elected to parliament and they can really do whatever they like, and that's sort of opposition. That is that that's and he's he's really more of of an independent, if you will. Um, then in the, in the opposition, we've got three parties: we have the Labour Party, the Green Party, and the New Zealand First Party. Um, the Labour Party will be similar to yours, I suspect. The Green Party again will be similar to yours, um, and the New Zealand First Party is a a bit more of a um, uh, a nationalist uh, kind of party. They're considered to be racist by some, um, and overall in their economic policies, I'd say they lean left, um, and in their um, their social, their interesting social policy there is to hold a referendum, a binding referendum on social issues. So that's where they, um, they're considered centrists, really, because they only, um, they sort of want to govern by referendums um, to a certain extent, but we haven't actually seen them govern, so we're not quite sure what, what, that, will, what that would look like. Yeah, would it be equivalent Sorry? to Pauline Hanson and One Nation in Australia? Um, Perhaps to to a certain regard, um, I'm not sure if I know enough about about Pauline Hanson to say that, but it is a, a sort of a, a cult following, if you will, of of a man called Winston Peters, and um, he does want they do want to remove um, uh, sort of racial uh, references in laws, and um, and and but but overall economically speaking they lean left a little bit and I think so th I think that might be similar to Paul and Hansen then but you'll have to tell me if that's the case or not. Yeah, that sounds correct. Move on to talking about New I Zealand. Mean, Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say um you could probably cut off that last bit where you asked me and, <laughs> and oh, yeah. I responded. Yeah. Oh yeah, well. I was done pretty much so. Now, you're the deputy leader of uh, a new political party, Make New Zealand Great Again. Uh, the leader of the party is Daniel Gross, who's appeared on this podcast and is a contributor to The Unshackled. Um, why did you think the creation of this party was necessary, especially since, uh, as you've already mentioned, you have a nationalist party uh, in New Zealand first with Winston Peters as a prominent voice? Um, so the 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 primary um, like we're not, we're not a single issue party in that regard. So um, the New Zealand First Party is often called Winston First, um, and that's really because it's all about about Winston Peters, really. And um, while they are are uh, nationalists, they're also more left leaning, um, and their economic policies. Um, most people are just not really that sure about because um, when you add up everything that they're promising to do, it gets to be very, very, very costly, and they don't have ever have any plans to pay for any of it. Um, and then a lot of the um, uh, controversial issues, they'll just um, shake off and uh, will um, hold a referendum on it or whatever. That'll be their their answer. Um, so the Make New Zealand Great Again Party has uh, has has goals to be. In a sense of a more uh, right-leaning uh, party, while while nationalistic at the same time, also capitalistic and also um, uh, more outspoken on on social issues uh, and and taking uh, more of a um, a uh, traditional or Judeo-Christian uh, stance on on social issues. Um, perhaps not um, as as always as official party policy. But as a as as far as supporters and and probable um, MPs would go, I think that's that's a more of a direction you would find us leaning in. Uh, so 
the the key difference is you want to be a free market oriented party. Well, uh, New Zealand First is uh, they want they're they're in favour of big government, but just government for their pet projects. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a great way to sum it up. Um, uh, they 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 need, they're, they're national nationalistic and the, and and also. Um, socialistic, and we are while well, we are nationalistic and and more capitalistic. That's that's absolutely the way it, it is. And why did you decide on the name uh, "Make New Zealand Great Again"? I mean, obviously we where we we know where the slogan came from, but why did you think that was the best name? <clears throat> so, um, part of it was, um, or the main reason behind it really is branding, um, and. It's a it's a slogan that's well known. Everybody knows it. And if you're starting up a new political party, um, getting traction and getting people to recognise you is is very very hard. And so what you want is is a brand that when people look at that brand, they can then say, oh yes, I know what that is. Right? They will instantly draw that association with Trump and with his um, you know, his generic right wing policies and and his his policies on the economy, uh, his policies his policies on trade and so on and so on. Um, so um, we haven't we we haven't completely set on 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 the name so to say you have to register as a as an official party before or uh, you set the name but we're definitely going with it as a slogan um, and most likely I believe as 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 a name um, so that's that's really really the main main thought behind it because I think if you go with any other name um, you then have to tell people what you're about and if you have to tell people what you're about. Um, without being, without people knowing who you are, um, you've you've sort of already lost the battle um, for fame. Yeah, uh, it's definitely a name that would cut through. Uh, is it difficult to register a party in New Zealand? Um, that's actually uh, interesting, and and it is, it is fairly difficult. What you need is 500 financial members, but more importantly, you need signatures, physical signatures from 500 financial members. And so that's the interesting part of registering uh, a party, not just to get 500 people to sign up as financial members, but to actually get them to, um, you know, print out a piece of paper and send, sign it and send it in. And that's that's probably going to be the most difficult part. Um, we, I believe, we can get there, um, but but of course you never know. Um, the, the the registering process um, could take basically up to about two months. So it does give us a, a bit of, of wriggle room in, in getting to that, to, into getting those 500 physical signatures. Um, but it is not the uh, not what you would call the easiest process, no. So they actually have to be financial members because that's even uh, a, a, yeah. a, great, a greater uh, hurdle to pass than what we have in Australia. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely they have to be. I mean, the financial... Uh, requirement from a from through the electoral law is they have to pay like one dollar for every for every three years or something. That's the like the minimum is they have to give it a, yeah a, a dollar for or maybe it's a dollar a year or something. Um, that's the minimum. Um, but yeah, that's obviously a, a decent hurdle. And then to actually get into parliament, um, as as some many in Australia might not know, there's a five percent um, popular vote threshold. Um, but I think we will. Um, you'll, you'll ask me. You'll probably bring up, um, or we can talk about the um, uh, the, the how New Zealand's uh, uh, system works and the election works. Basically, you need to have five percent of the popular vote to get a party into parliament. So that's um, that's an once you've registered, that's the next uh, hurdle, and that that can be quite difficult uh, to to beat. Only 
um, a few parties do that successfully. Um, uh, basically, the Greens and New Zealand First are both very good at that, but um, it can be very hard. Yeah, I've, we should say that the system is it's called uh, it's proportional representation, but it's called mixed member proportionate. So you have half of your seats as traditional electorates, as we would know them in Australia, uh, but then they are topped up with uh, ex, uh, called list seats, which evenly spread the proportional overall vote. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so we've got, um, I'm just, just thinking of the exact number. I think we have 40 electoral seats and 80 um, um, uh, what we call popular vote seats. So um, you can stand in 40, electro, uh, in, in 40 electorates and, and get seats that way. And overall, the popular vote will be will distribute the the final 80 seats, but um, but they do balance out. Um, so if you win, um, what you can end up getting is what they call an overhang. So if you win like three electoral seats, but only one percent of the popular vote, um, they're actually and you'll end up with um, two extra free members in parliament. So instead of 120 seats, we end up with 120 seats. Um, it's an unlikely scenario. It only happens a few times. But yeah, because of the way the seats are distributed, it's a quite a complicated um, uh, system. And depending on what kind of um, what kind of vote you're going after, whether it's the popular vote or the electoral vote, depends on, on how many seats you can possibly end up with. Uh, how did you end up with that system? I'm curious. Um, before my time, really, um, we had first past the post in New Zealand. And um, I believe there was a referendum and people voted to have um, MMP, as we call it, which is the mixed, mixed member proportional system. Um, and that's that. I'm pretty sure um, it, it happened by a referendum. It's, it's interesting that you'd go from a first-past-the-post system to proportionate giving minor parties more power because in Australia at the moment there, there is so much uh, animosity towards uh, minor parties who are elected proportionally to our Senate and there's uh, commentators and politicians in the major parties who want to get rid of, rid of either the Senate or proportional representation because they, they can't stand the influence the minor parties have. Yeah, so we've um, gotten rid of our, uh, our second, our upper house, our, our Senate, essentially. We, we threw that out uh, a long time ago, so that already happened. Um, but um, New Zealand is a very um, egalitarian society, so people like um, people like to to have sort of, in a sense, if everyone gets a fair go. And I think um, first past the post sort of ran counter to New Zealand culture and in that way that, um, you know, sort of winner-takes-all approach is not something um, that that really um, sits with New Zealand culture very well. So, so yeah, um, people do complain about the influence of minor parties. And uh, when I explain to you uh, as to how our current government works, you'll see how minor parties can wield a huge amount of influence. Um, but, yeah, that's um, they had a, we had a referendum three, I'm thinking three years ago, around then. It might have been slightly longer, uh, six, maybe six years ago, to change it back to something else, and people didn't want to. People wanted to stick with MMP. Um, and part of that is, is because, you know, about 30, 30 or 40% of, 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 of people can end up, well, maybe not that high, at least 20, 25% of people vote for these other um, minor parties. So they definitely want to keep it the way it is. Um, and I'm not sure um, um, 
about the the rest. But I think that's where the egalitarianism comes into play. Now, let's uh, go back to talking about Make New Zealand Great Again. Now, you have three other slogans, which is Make New Zealand Safe Again, Make New Zealand Strong Again, and Make New Zealand Simple Again. Uh, Can you elaborate on what these slogans mean when it comes to practical policies? Yes, sure thing. Um, We've got um, safety, which relates uh, largely to border security um, and especially... um, uh, fighting and 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 uh, hopefully preventing terrorism. Um, we haven't had any um, terrorist incidents in New Zealand yet, but um, he, the sentiment here is that we've sort of been lucky. And what's happening in in um, in England and in Sweden and in Russia and France and and and, and Germany and even closer to home in in Sydney and Melbourne uh, is 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 bound to come to New Zealand. Um, and and so our our big big focus there is is to take a firm stance against terrorism and not um, not the approach that some governments are taking in Europe especially saying ah oh, you know our, our biggest threat is is uh, is Islamophobia and, and so on which um, you know is 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 so far not preventing any terrorism anyway so we will take a very tough approach there um, and we've also got um, issues with with our navy and defend and, and uh, you know patrolling our ocean borders and um, and having uh, foreign foreign countries coming in uh, fishing or whaling uh, in New Zealand waters and there's not much we can do about that um, and we also have um, um, uh, an increase in crime especially robberies off dairies and and um, uh, with high or high cigarette taxes that are, are really resulting in um, a lot more crime and, and theft. Um, as 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 gangs are are, are stocking up and 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 um, yeah, basically stealing the stuff from dairies. Um, and so when it comes to, to self defence, New Zealand is is fairly weak, and that's something that we'd like to to strengthen up. Um, and you know actually um, give give uh, business owners the confidence that they can defend themselves and their property uh, without ending up um, uh, in court on on you know spurious what, what we would consider spurious charges um, and um, making New Zealand strong again is about uh, the strength of our economy um, and so we're looking at um, at uh, some tax reform and especially tax reform that um, that that's targeted at uh, the poorer end or the bottom end so we're looking at an um, tax uh, income tax uh, uh, threshold of about $30,000, so that's no tax on the first $30,000 earned, and also reducing GST from what's currently 15% to the 10% that uh, I believe Australia has as well. Um, and it was initially 10% in New Zealand, and it's gone up. Um, and, and, of course, GST is one of those policies that hits um, uh, the poorer people, especially the ones that have to spend all their money the hardest. So that's um, that's where we focus that on. Um, and also... Um, we will probably look at some business tax uh, improvements and and you know bringing um, new talent and bringing businesses into New Zealand. We've got um, regulations that are forcing businesses overseas. We've got uh, Cadbury firing 400 people uh, in the South Island and moving to Australia because it's better to have the business in Australia. And so we will um, we'll cut back uh, on that red tape uh, that's making businesses and and uh, lots of money leaving uh, seeing we're seeing it leave New Zealand and we definitely want to put a stop to that um, and then finally uh, when it comes to simplicity um, uh, 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 the regulations overlap there a little bit especially in our housing market um, we've got a huge housing crisis because there's uh, 
high demand but absolutely a very low supply and that comes through uh, a lot of this red tape around housing and part of that is the um, uh, special laws that we have uh, giving giving privilege to certain tribes to interfere in the house uh, house building uh, system so we will simplify our law to um, be uh, a single one law for all New Zealanders uh, and of course we will uh, stand up for uh, free speech um, and and um, and fight back against uh, against those who who at the moment um, are trying to over overrun free speech and that's uh, you know, people like our police commissioner and our human rights commissioner um, and that's those are really our three our three main main points that we're pushing on at the moment and we've got uh, other stuff coming and we'll probably expand on the three uh, in the coming weeks and months. And so with your, the launch of Make New Zealand Great Again, which happened earlier this month in April, uh, the mainstream media hasn't been uh, very nice to you and they've attacked you for being uh, anti-immigration, as they call it, and say you're a hypocrite because you yourself are an immigrant from the Netherlands. Uh, I'd like to give you a right of reply on this podcast. <laughs> sure, thanks for that. Um, so the first thing is, is of course, um, you know, people say, "Oh, you want to ban all the immigrants," and and um, that's simply not true. We don't have a policy to ban immigration. Um, we do have a, a, a proposal to temporarily uh, halt uh, halt immigration to, uh, to reduce uh, the the demand on on our housing crisis uh, for for maybe several months to resolve that. But there is no uh, anti-immigration sentiment from from our party, and there is no ban on immigrants, and we are. Uh, looking to make New Zealand a place where, uh, firstly, we can retain uh, our own talent and, secondly, uh, can attract uh, talent to New Zealand to make it uh, an even greater country. Uh, and and uh, as you said and, and as others have pointed out, I'm an immigrant myself and uh, New Zealand is definitely uh, a lot greater than where I came from, uh, uh, which is why I'm here and I'm here to stay and, and you know, this is my home. I'm a New Zealand citizen and... Um, uh, you know, I, I look forward to halting the the downward decline of of uh, of this uh, of this nation. Uh, it's it's always interesting discussing differences between countries. Uh, uh, it seems that even though there's slight differences in how politics work, works, where we're all up against the the same sort of challenges. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a small world, really, and it's a very interconnected world. And we we are absolutely facing a lot of similar challenges. Sometimes we're just uh, on a different position on the track, um, but 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 sadly, often far too often heading in the same wrong direction. And I would advise all of our listeners to go check out the Right Minds New Zealand website and also the Make New Zealand Great Again website. Uh, we of course wish wish. Uh, uh, all of the people in other Western nations who are fighting the same battles that we are the best of luck. So we hope that you can turn things around for New Zealand. Thank you, and I hope uh, you can do the same for Australia. Uh, the Unshackled will be covering the New Zealand election in depth when the campaign gets underway, and we are planning to do uh, another election live stream. So we hope to be able to work with Right Minds to make sure we can give proper coverage of New Zealand politics to people in Australia. So that'll be very exciting. And I'm looking forward to, to uh, working with you on that, and I know that other people are uh, as well. Yeah, so keep up the good work, and uh, we'll be definitely be in touch again soon. So thank you. Thank you again, Duet.
and thank you again for having me on, Tim. All right, that's the show for today. So don't forget, if you haven't, to sign up to the email list at theunshackled.net slash subscribe. Uh, you can also support the website at theunshackled.net slash subscribe. And also don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can do so on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or view the video version on YouTube. Don't forget to visit theunshackled.net uh, on a regular basis for all the latest news. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.